to What About Us, a podcast about how policies affect rural Tennesseans. This is the second podcast in Season 3, and in this election season, we are taking a closer look at Tennessee state government. I am Sandy Rice, and my guest today is Chase Clements. He is a candidate for state senate in District 14, and we are going to talk about teachers and school children. Hi, Chase. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) Thanks for coming. So, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so uh, Senate District 14, that's going to be Bedford, Marshall, Lincoln, Moore, and the eastern half of Rutherford County. So, big district, spread Mm -hmm. out a little bit. Uh, A very rural district, um, which I think works to to our campaign's advantage, at least, because I am fifth generation here in Lincoln County. I grew up in rural Tennessee. I know what our communities are like right now and what they need. And that's one of the the big pluses that, with this campaign, we're going to be able to bring to just to the election in general. We're going to talk about rural issues. We're going to talk about things that are affecting diehard red areas of the the state because we need to be having conversations in those areas if we ever want to flip any of these seats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So where is district? Oh, did you say all the counties then in District 14? Okay. Yeah, Bedford, Marshall, Moore, Lincoln, and Eastern Rutherford County. Eastern Rutherford County. Okay, so you get up there around Murfreesboro. Yeah, just east of the the campus. Heading towards the big city. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You want to tell us why you're running? Yeah, it's because my kids. Okay. You know, you you become a dad and you start thinking long term. Mm-hmm. You start thinking about what do I want our schools to be like in the community? What do I want our job situation to be like? What do I want our hospital to be like? What, you know, what do I want our community to be like for my kids because it's no longer just me, it's it's a whole family back mm-hmm. behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, growing up, uh, my my granddad was the we call him the tractor guy. Um, every rural town has one. It's you know, it's the guy that when your tractor breaks down, you can take their tractor, the tractor oh, over okay. to him, right? So mm-hmm. it's a tractor guy. And I would be in the shops with him so much, where we would bring a tractor in, and you know, these are these are farming families. These are they don't make a lot of money. Um, they don't have a lot of uh, things that they can throw around when something breaks. So that tractor comes in, and you've got to fix it. You've got to you've got to make it better for them because that's their livelihood and they don't have money to go buy a new one. Right, right. So I would be sitting there with him and he would be focused on, look, we're going to make sure that the tractor leaves the shop better than when it came in. Mm-hmm. And that for a long time when I was growing up, that was the, the ethos. That was the, the, the community spirit. It was, let's just make things a little bit better for everyone around. Mm-hmm. So when I had kids, it was like, it was that. And then that clicked too. And it was one of those where, if I want to make the community better, if we want to make the community better, that means making sure we have candidates running who agree with the values and ideas that we have and who generally want to see the community get better for everyone, not just their wealthy and well-connected donors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or so, just not their party. Or just, yeah, just not their party. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I jumped into the race earlier this year, and, and we're going to give it a go. All right. Good. So the Tennessee uh, General Assembly had a two-part session this year mm-hmm. due to uh, COVID. Probably a third um, one coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. we could talk about that too. Um, they shut down uh, um, in March because of COVID. So they came back the 1st of uh, June for a couple of weeks, and I think it was pretty rough. I read someone thought it was a little bumpy, but I think it was pretty 
bumpy. And it was bumpy uh, in January. It was bumpy last year. So COVID affected our state budget big time, requiring the Tennessee General Assembly to cut a billion dollars from a budget that was approved in March for 2021. Um, we still need to cut uh, $500,000, no, $500 million from our 2020 budget um, uh, that ended June 30th and an additional billion from 2021, which started on July 1st, last Wednesday. Um, now, you would think that every single item would be carefully reviewed with these huge amounts. You think. Mm -hmm. um, and we could spend well over an hour combing over things. Um, but let's just look at things related to our topic, which is teachers and school children. So, Chase, what were some of the cuts in the, in the budget? Yeah, so the big number that people need to remember is that it's a $70 million cut from what was decided in March to what actually got passed last month. So $70 million from our school budgets, which, I mean, there's no way to, to put a nice smile on that at all. That's basically, we are asking our, our teachers and our staff and our students to do more this year during a pandemic than, they, than all the money they were given last year mm -hmm. in normal circumstances. $70 million cut. Um, there was a very clear broken promise where in March the Republican uh, majority super majority said hey we're going to give our teachers a 4% raise mm -hmm. nope not happening that's not happening at all this year and if anything we're going to see uh, more teacher layoffs and staff layoffs as county and city school districts have to make up that 70 million dollars somewhere mm -hmm. it doesn't just come from the state it's passed it along to the different counties exactly so and when when small counties especially in rural tennessee are faced with the the, the budget crisis that they have i mean your county can't go out and borrow money to pay mm -hmm. teachers mm -hmm. it's got to come from somewhere and so that means they're going to lay teachers off or they're going to raise property taxes and that's the two big that levers, either. right? That's the two big levers they get to pull, and, and nobody likes it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the the big numbers you want to watch for. It's the the seventy million dollar cut. the The teachers aren't going to get the pay raise that we promise. Mm -hmm. Which, when you work it out, teachers are now paid less now than they were ten years ago oh, for the cost of living, for the cost of like living, mm -hmm. uh, and inflation adjustment, and all that. And it's wild because not only are we paying them less, we're asking them to do more. Mm -hmm. Teachers, when they go back this fall, are going to have to teach in an environment that we haven't seen in 100 years. They're going to teach in an environment that is so fraught with anxiety and misinformation and just general... Awfulness. Awfulness. <laughs> and we're asking them to do it. For less money than they've ever made. Like, it just, it's one of those where you sit and you watch as the budget was progressing through the, the General Assembly. They had opportunity after opportunity after okay. opportunity to really set our students and our teachers up for success this fall, and they didn't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, a very clear vote that the Democrats uh, had, that the, the Democratic Party put forward a plan that said, look, we want to give $150 million back into county and city school systems because they're going to need that money. Mm-hmm. And it was shot down. It was tabled. Lines. Yeah. 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 So that was when we we're talking about millions and billions. That's mm -hmm. almost almost nothing. And yeah. I spent the day kind of looking back where I could in the Tennessee and in different other um, resources about the budget. Mm -hmm. And um, 
when you start talking about billions and millions and you know it, it kind mm-hmm. of blurs like going to las vegas exactly that's a chip that's not ten dollars <laughs> that's just a chip here exactly. let's throw a few more out so yeah and um, this is all on top of like we went into this this year we went into this general assembly um going we have a teacher shortage mm-hmm. we have a, a funding problem we know we we need to to get more resources and more money into the hands of local school districts. And instead of making any progress in that direction, we went backwards. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic started and we went even further backwards. Even further back. And that's because, you know, and, and um, I, the, some of the figures that I um, got, uh, what I found part of the $70 million were $48 million for a literacy program because we're falling behind in our kids' um, ability to read at their grade level. Um, it's $20,000 for teacher materials and elementary education. You hear all the time about uh, churches and organizations donating all kinds of supplies mm-hmm. uh, to the schools because our taxes and the revenue does not pay for those. $36,000 million in teacher training. Um, we have a lot of young teachers. We're burning out teachers, so you get you know the young ones from college. And um, they have student teacherships and all that i know but it's still you know a lot a lot different yeah and we're putting our our uh, older teachers at risk too i was talking to a to um, a teacher yesterday she teaches um foreign language uh, for her high school and she was talking about look my husband is um immunocompromised mm-hmm. we can't like she can't retire yet mm-hmm. they can't live off his uh, social security income so she has to go back to work she cannot bring this thing home. She cannot bring this virus home at all because mm-hmm. it will put him in the hospital. So she's making plans on, like, maybe we can convert the garage into a bedroom where she can sleep and kind of section oh off gosh. the house uh-huh. so she doesn't, you know, bring anything in that direction. So not only is it our younger teachers who are coming in and going, I, I don't want to put up with this, so I'm not going to become a teacher. It's also our older teachers who are looking, they're having to make a very hard decision on, do I go back to work and put my health or my spouse's health mm-hmm. or my family's health at risk here? Mm-hmm. And we're not doing anything to help them with that. Right, right. And then some, um, the next thing was $250 million for mental health support mm-hmm. um, because there's more and more kids that come to school um, that are in bad family situations. Um, they're being raised by maybe their grandparents who ha- have lots of health problems. Um, they don't have adequate food or clothing uh, with the pandemic and uh, isolation. They're seeing more uh, abuse cases that are kind of not identified, not reported. And so um, um, stuff, you know, stuff happens and it's more than the good old days. (laughs) Um, I think we all have fond memories of of school and, um, Things were better in the when I was when I was a kid, and, and things are more complicated now. Uh, parents uh, fighting addiction, mental illness, um, unemployment, and the stress that that causes. So, yeah, we uh, saw with with uh, with kids when we had to call off school early. If you have 
two parents, if you have both parents working during the day, where, where do your kids go? Where right. do students go? Well, that means now one of the parents has to stay home and, and hope that works out. What if they can't stay home? What mm-hmm. if their health insurance is tied to their job? Oh, right, right. right. Uh, what Don't if get they, me started. <laughs> yeah, what if the unemployment benefits run out? Or if they could even get unemployment benefits because of how, uh, we'll just say, not ideal our state unemployment system has been in the last couple of months. These are all things that ripple down um, just from something as, as seemingly simple as Let's get our students and our teachers back into schools. But really, that's the, if we can figure that out, right? If we can reopen our schools and make sure that they're fully funded and that our teachers are paid and that our students are taken care of, that's going to have the biggest impact on our economy and on our communities come this fall. Well, not just now or in the fall, but in the future, because uh, you know we know that if kids are educated, don't succeed in school, they're going to have problems and they're going to be... Uh, incarcerated or causing trouble or on needing assistance or counseling or something for for decades yeah for every year don't mess with little kids yeah for every year that a student misses in school Mm -hmm. you see graduation rates go down college acceptance rates go down the money that they're going to be able to make over their lifetime goes and down. And t- pay taxes on. Pay taxes on. Their health goes down. Mm-hmm. You actually see a bump. You can see a correlation between how many years a student goes to school and how long they live. Mm-hmm. So it's something that that's why we have to get this right. Because if we don't get the school reopening right, if we don't do it in a safe way that's fully funded, then it's going to ripple out not only now, but for decades to come mm-hmm. for these students. Mm-hmm. And I read where um, we're up because of the early closure that we're already behind in literacy and math skills. Yeah. And interestingly enough, um, math skills come back a little quicker. Not for me, <laughs> but, but not literacy. And um, so, that, well, I'll talk about that in my, my action plan uh, of what we as, as grown-ups, you know, can do for that. But I just thought, oh, the, the gift of reading is a lifetime and to always struggle with that. I mean, you still hear stories about people that say, well, I never was a very good reader. Mm-hmm. And so they lose that mystery and yeah. thrill of, of reading books. But um, so these are desperate times. So everybody has to give. Well, unfortunately, um, the teachers on the public schools have had to do that year after year after year, um, even when times are good. And times have been good in that the state has uh, amassed Every time I look at it, it's a different number. What's the latest that you've heard on our reserves? And then part of that is the Rainy Day Fund. So the Rainy Day Fund, we've got a little over a billion dollars. Okay. We're going to have close to a billion and a half by the end of next budget cycle. Okay. But that, then we have the a reserve. Part, okay. Right? Like, that's the wild part. We have this massive Rainy Day Fund who's literally exists for when it rains... We have this money, and it's raining right now, <laughs> right? Like, that's the whole reason for this money, and we're not... What could be a worse thing to right. be raining? Right? We're not taking money from the Rainy Day Fund right now. We're putting more money into it right. for the next budget cycle. Right. And look, I get it. This pandemic is going to pull off for, for a while, right? It's mm-hmm. Things aren't going to go back to normal at, at least this year until we have a vaccine and we can start rolling that out and everything else. But when you have the just staggering amount of money in the rainy day fund alone, over a billion dollars, we need to start using it. We need to start spending it. That's When you and I do a budget, we set aside money in a savings account and an emergency fund. Like 
can you just imagine if your your car breaks down and, and we decide like we're not going to use our emergency fund because we don't think it's the right time to use it no that's what it's there for yeah same thing with the okay rainy kids day everybody's is, walking right <laughs> we're walking everywhere exactly it's when you take and you apply that on just a, a personal level it's just you see the absurdity of it real real quick same thing with a rainy day fund we we got the money set aside for times like this and we have to use it well, on my last podcast, um, we found that uh, a lot of that money that's stock, you know, put away came from the temporary assistance for needy families mm-hmm. and to use it for people that really need it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah for that was another and, couple of hundred million dollars that was just sitting aside. We weren't yeah, using it. Yeah. So anyway, we're good friends with the Tennessee Education Association and Beth Brown, who has been on my podcast mm-hmm. and uh, been on, she's, she's great. She can talk. She can talk the talk, and she's walked the walk. Yeah. She's taken the lead from teaching so that she can continue to be the president of that association. Uh, but she taught in Grundy County, County English for about about fourteen years, and mm-hmm. relies heavily on her experience. Um, and she has uh, begged and begged mm-hmm. for more money for teachers. She says that we're uh, in the bottom third nationally for teachers' pay, which makes it difficult uh, to hire and retain quality teachers we need to use this money for schools and children a child has only one chance at third grade and so we need to give him the best shot he can have withholding funds that could benefit that student when it clearly is within our means is simply wrong Um, the tennessee education association has also asked for increase in counseling professionals to take the burden off teachers for kids uh, as we said that are traumatized by home and family situations but also the teachers who go home crying mm-hmm. um, and um, f- for their children and then taking um, resources from their own limited stores of emotional and physical resources to try to help those kids. Um, one thing um, that was cut but still has money in it is the um, money for the ESA voucher program, the Education yeah. Savings Allowance. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, they still left a little bit of money in that uh, in that program, which has already been declared a state unconstitutional program. This is where they were going to use state money to uh, assist in the tuition mm-hmm. for kids in just two counties, mm-hmm. uh, Shelby and... Davidson. Davidson. Yeah. Uh, so Memphis and Nashville. Um so that so that kids could go to a, to a private school. Yeah, and it, would it take works out to about seven thousand dollars a student, and a it was going to go to the student, right? So the could theory be being spent that for whatever. Yeah, the theory being that um, if you as a parent want to move your student from uh, a public school that's not doing very well over into a private school that is, we're going to give you seven thousand dollars to go with them, um, because that's. The, uh, about the same amount that would go into those school systems if they stayed in the public school. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. First, we call these private schools, but they're not. They're corporate schools. Okay. This corporate, is a corporate right. ball. This is a corporate bailout. Okay. That that's what the whole program is. The whole program is shifting money from our public schools that need it into schools that are run basically like corporations. Can I understand they don't have to meet some of the requirements they don't for have to meet the same testing requirements. and education and and they get to pick the students that they want. Oh yeah. So if you have a um, a, a student with uh, special needs that needs uh, special education and uh, uh, IEPs, individualized educational programs. 
a corporate private school does not have to take that student. They get to pick and choose, whereas the public schools are public. Everyone gets to go to them. So you're taking a school that already does not have enough money in the first place with teachers who are not funded like they should be, with resources that they don't, they, they just don't have, and you're then taking more money out of that program. At the end of the day, I just everybody I talk to, I'm very clear about this. I don't have a problem with private schools. We have a private school here in Lincoln County. They do a fantastic job with the students that go out there. My issue is... I want to make sure that our public schools are absolutely fully funded Mm -hmm. before we look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. If we had just this overwhelming amount of money and that that our public schools didn't need it, sure. Let's look at... Take that money and spreading it around to uh, other parts of the community for, for other schools and things like that. But we don't. Mm-hmm. Money is in, in a limited supply, just like your, you and I's budget, right? And that's where we are right now. We don't have the money to fully fund our public schools. So we shouldn't be looking at taking money out of it, making that situation worse and putting it over in these corporate private schools. Well, and it was supposed to be about, about choice and um, for... Uh, I think the schools in the big cities, you know, do have a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so you always have a choice. You have a choice to get three or four jobs and send your kids to that school. Just like I would like to have a big old diamond ring. <laughs> I have that choice. <laughs> I can't afford it, but I mean, I could, and I still have the choice to do that. So um, it was really, it was a hard-fought battle. Mm -hmm. In fact, Beth had told me that uh, for years and years it got put down in the legislature all the time. And they finally just changed the name from voucher to Mm -hmm. um, education savings Mm -hmm. loan, right? Account. 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 Yeah. Okay. I've... I get it mixed up with English as a second language. (laughs) Yeah, if you go all the way back to when uh, George W. Bush, his first first term, Mm -hmm. when they tried to privatize Social Security, they did the same thing. They tweaked the language around it and said, we want this to be, I forget the exact language they used, but it was basically that same thing. This is your account. This is your savings account that you get to put money into and it's going to be there later on. Um, Healthcare companies do it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Health Mm -hmm. savings accounts, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. same thing. Those work in some very specific narrow situations, but for most of us, we pay into a health insurance plan that we all benefit from. Right. Right. Because again, going back to when we started talking earlier, this is about what's best for the community and how we can make the community better. Mm-hmm. Public schools. We don't have many silver bullets when it comes to, to public policy. Public schools is a silver bullet. It changes everything. Okay. If You're you right. can put more money into them and give the teachers the money they deserve, give the students the resources they deserve it is literally a rising tide that lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. It ripples up, it ripples out, and it ripples through time to make those students, we were talking earlier, those students are going to go to college at higher rates. They're going to have better jobs at higher rates, make more money at better rates, pay more taxes at higher rates, mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. longer. Like Everything ripples out. If we can get public schools right, if we mm-hmm. can get K-12 through right, then that that's one of the... the best things we can do as a community so begging people were begging for this and what did Mm -hmm. uh our general assembly and our governor give us in return was this voucher system it was um it barely passed yeah and the vote was questionable and i think some jobs were shifted around 
now um, some Republican legislators are regretting their vote uh, then and saying that that voucher money uh, could be used to benefit for far more um, children statewide. Oh, my little note here mm-hmm. says, duh. <laughs> Yeah, it's election time, so they have to make sure. Because this is one of those, when I talk to, so in my district, we're a red district, which means I've got to convince a lot of moderates and a lot of Republicans to come over my way and vote for me this next time around. When I talk with Republicans about the the voucher program and how we're privatizing that, people get it. People instantly get why it's bad. And the next thing you know, they're calling up their Republican representatives going, why did you vote for this? I had one lady who went to went to school with one of our uh, representatives here, like grew up with them, you know, family, friends and everything else. When he cast that vote for the, the vouchers, she said, never again. I'm not voting for you again because okay. that was the wrong vote. You know it, but you went by the party line anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those where like I said, people just get it. People understand that if we want our public schools to be good, we have to fund them. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't like you can't do that with diverting funds elsewhere. Right. Right. Well, it's hard to keep up with things. Do you find people yeah. that didn't know that or do you feel they there's a there was a high um, concentration of information about the vouchers? On the vouchers, yeah, because it was it was one of those that everyone was talking about. The okay. vote was, we knew it was going to be close. Uh, news channels and uh, newspapers and, and things were talking about it every day. The TEA, Beth and them were doing a great job at turning out their, okay. their teacher union and getting the word out. So yeah, I, I think people, people knew more about that than they do about this latest budget and the the, the cuts to, to school funding there. Okay, so we're going to tell them about that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, it, it, the the whole thing was declared unconstitutional by a judge in March, ruling that it's unconstitutional to use public money to pay for private tuition. Yeah. Now, uh, and to force just two counties to do it. I know. Yeah. And boy, and some of the counties were like, oh, I'm not doing that. Right. You know, it was like a hot potato, I think, mm-hmm. in Hamilton, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe Knox. Here, even in Bedford County, the, the representative for here said, don't worry about it. It's not coming here. We made sure that it was going to stay in those two counties. Private schools are not coming. Yeah, here. but our money was going there. <laughs> yeah. And we've been down this road before. You can go back and you can look at bills that the legislature has passed where it was targeting specific counties that our state judges come back and say, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's literally against our state constitution. You can't do that. So now what happens? Well, that law now applies to everyone in the state. Right. So they're going to appeal it. Governor wants to appeal it. He, this is his signature legislation, and he puts great pressure on to make it happen. I sometimes wonder what the motivation um, is there. So there was $38 uh, million left in the March mm-hmm. uh, emergency pat, the budget that passed by emergency it was reduced reduced to 16,000 um 16 million I don't know why I keep saying thousands yeah. it's everything I say just say millions <laughs> unless I budget. say billions yeah. yeah but I'm not I'm trying not to say that too often so that stays in the budget even though they are not processing applications governor Lee wanted them to continue that mm-hmm. but then changed his mind um so Parents were originally told to go ahead, and they've also found fewer students enrolled or in wanting to pursue that um, than expected. You know, these schools cost more than seven thousand yep. dollars, so you have to put a chunk of change to go along with it, and uh, mm-hmm. very confusing. Um, so, okay, I'm going to let that go for now. <laughs> I might come back to that. <laughs> so, so. 
um, do your can your um, people that you talk to are they so they know about the vouchers are they aware of shortfalls and problems with supplies burnout teachers cuts in programs yeah so I think most folks that we talk to um, so here's the thing when I, when I talk to, to people around the district the first question a lot of you know a lot of campaigns your politician will show up and say well I believe X Y and Z and this is why you should vote for me when I show up and talk to somebody my first question is if you had a magic wand and you mm-hmm. were governor for a day, what would you change? What would you change? And overwhelmingly, there's two things that keep popping up. One, people are worried about health care. Yes. And so they want to make sure that if they get sick or hurt or whatever and need to see a doctor, that they can see the doctor and not and it not come at the expense of them putting food on the table. <laughs> so healthcare pops up and the other thing that pops up is schools. Because we have parents, a lot of parents with students in public schools that look at it now and they know, they know they're not funded right. When you talk to a teacher and that teacher is digging into their pocketbook to buy Kleenex and crayons and and notebooks and toothbrush and deodorants. Or sending a list. Or sending a list. With a parent. Yep. I've them, seen some of those lists, and they're everything. Yeah, you. We know at that point mm-hmm. that teachers aren't getting the money they're supposed to. When you walk into, uh, so here in Lincoln County, we um, we're in the process of building a new elementary school because the the previous one was uh, over fifty years old, and there were some classrooms when it rained, the water would come in. You know, when you walk into a classroom that has water coming in from a storm, that we're not funding our schools like mm-hmm. we need to be. Mm-hmm. We. We just instinctively know that. So they might not, uh, as we have these conversations, you know, people might not know that, you know, $70 million was cut or that the governor got a raise when the teachers didn't get the raise they were promised. They might not know those details and numbers and things, but they know, we all know instinctively that our schools are not getting the funding that they should be getting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned healthcare. <laughs> those are the two big ones, healthcare and schools. And so people are begging for quality public schools. They get the voucher system. People, me included, begging, begging, begging mm-hmm. for Medicaid expansion. Now, I can't say that the people that I talk to uh, in my health care activism mm-hmm. uh, with the Tennessee Justice Center that people quite understand. There's still confusion between Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. But the people that depend on Medicaid, they know what the difference is. Mm-hmm. The people that are not getting their assistance their uh, assistance to pay for their co-pays with uh, Medicaid that are under the threat of not getting the medication they need, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. They know what I'm talking about. But, you, you know, what do we get for all that begging? The governor was supposed to have a health care plan, and he came up with the, the block grant, a Medicaid block grant, mm-hmm. which was submitted in November. We've heard nothing since. We probably never will. And so there is no plan. Mm-hmm. We are just struggling along with, with Medicaid. So... His track uh, record on the two, like so, the big two, right? Schools and healthcare. He's uh-huh. over two. Yeah, his block grant didn't go anywhere, and the vouchers were ruled unconstitutional. And that's not going anywhere, right? And then, yeah, I, if you made a list of legislation mm-hmm. for the last couple of years, a lot of it's unconstitutional, and they fight and 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 go back and forth with it. And I spending don't spending millions of dollars in lawyer fees and court fees and everything else that could again be going to healthcare and schools right. and back and so the appeal on this voucher thing 
That seems like a non-starter. And now they pass this very restrictive abortion ban at the end of the session. I mean, I don't know why that was so urgent, but uh, it was. I think it was a little give and take, you know, to keep the base happy, you know. Here's the thing. When you look at state Senate to some degree, state House, absolutely. You see... The inside baseball term is messaging bills that are uh-huh. passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, a messaging bill is basically a piece of legislation that goes up that... You or know, a resolution. Get, or a resolution. You're very good or, at those yeah, two. That's going to go uh, and cause a stir and get somebody some good press and make uh, give them a talking point for, for re-election. Mm-hmm. We're going into a very uh, rough election year for, for both sides of the aisle here. Mm-hmm. At all and, levels. Yeah, and... This is one of those one of those cycles where Republicans are basically going after these messaging bills and resolutions to to help give them some ammo when it comes to this fall. At the end of the day, whether it's the abortion thing or whether it is the uh, private um, private school thing or healthcare, or any, or, you know, the absurd uh, resolution about uh, the hype around uh, that what coronavirus was a hoax perpetuated by the media, like. All oh, of sen- that, no, it was just sensationalized. Sensationalized. I- sensationalized by the media. All of that is just so that Republicans can go back home and put it on a postcard or put it in a radio ad or put it on a TV ad and say, I did X, send me back. Right. It's politics. Mm-hmm. It's pure craven pol- politics. It's the worst form of politics possible. And I think that... Uh, voters and just the community in general is catching up on this stuff. They, Do you think so? Yeah, I, okay. I, you know, you can smell BS coming from a mile away, and I think we're getting. <laughs> well, I can. <laughs> better at it. Yeah, I think we're. I think we're getting better at it. Wait, you know the voucher thing, like I was saying earlier, that was one of those where people knew that their representative did not vote in their best interest, and were not afraid to call them on it. Okay. Okay. So I think there is a a tide that's shifting around some of this stuff, and as people start paying more attention because they have to, mm-hmm. that we start recognizing what's being done as, as pure political operative mm-hmm. type things and what's being done because you generally want to see a community get better. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Got to have a little hope and, uh, and faith. I, I listened to some disturbing radio programs on my way here. <laughs> I think Tennesseans, at, at the end of the day, we we get what it means to, to to love your neighbor, to watch out for your community when a natural disaster comes through, right? When a tornado ripped okay, through North exactly. Nashville. Exactly. And even with the it. pandemic, you know, I've commented on that so many businesses and schools, you know, mm-hmm. switched to make hand sanitizer yeah. or help with testing or do contact tracing. Yeah. So yeah. you saw that a lot. And we're seeing um, it uh, with, with healthcare, right? 12 rural hospitals have shut down in the last decade. There's 17 counties right now that doesn't have an emergency room. Rural Tennesseans know that we're in a healthcare crisis and that we have to start figuring this thing out as a community instead of not paying attention to it anymore. Mm -hmm. Same thing for schools. I Mm -hmm. I really, really believe that people are looking at our our educational, uh, where we are right now with education and going, they need more money. Mm-hmm. They need more teachers. They need more nurses. They need more counselors. They mm-hmm. need, you know, they need these things if we want our schools to be to be to be places where we can send our students and they come out better than they were when they went in. Mm-hmm. Like 
people are, are wising up to that mm-hmm. and, and paying attention to that. And I, I got a lot of faith. I got a lot of hope and I got a lot of faith that come this fall, we're going we're gonna to see some counties flip blue. We're going to see some politicians who are up in Nashville right now just trying to, to make money for them and their friends. They're going to get the boot and we can start looking at what's best for our communities again. Well, it certainly is a wake-up call with mm-hmm. the, the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I can't believe this is happening to me, <laughs> to yeah. us, in our world, in our country, in our state. This um, There seems to be um, on s- so many levels, but I'm just going to pick on the Tennessee government right now, just mm-hmm. disregard for the citizens, our parents and grandparents, our children, our future. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, the pandemic, and I did a whole podcast on this, so... No federal leadership or plan or even recognition that there's a problem, let alone, um, as of today, 132,000 deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm glad that's not millions. It is thousands. I mm-hmm. said to switch that over. Um, with really, in my opinion, no recognition. You know, I mean, that's just, that's a generation. That's, that's at, at all levels. That's just devastating. I also think our state leadership is weak. Got the Tennessee pledge. That's kind of the slow walk to shut down. Um, early opening, a big emphasis on personal responsibilities. You know, it makes me wonder if we were under attack, Tennessee. We were under attack by say, oh Mississippi. <laughs> Thanks, Mississippi. <laughs> and we were asked to black out our windows to prevent night bombings. Mm-hmm. Would people say, I don't have to? I don't want to. That's interfering with my personal responsibility. Well, thank mm-hmm. goodness, everyone just agrees to wear pants. Mm-hmm. And doesn't decide that yeah. I don't want to. I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have a financial crisis. So, so my thing about the pandemic and the financial crisis. Uh, what if we would have just bit the bullet, you know, just chomped down on that leather strap and just stay closed for two months? We might be reopening. Everybody going back to work, no problem. You know, mm-hmm. pith pop, go back in business. But we have. Um, a federal response that tells us we're doing great. We're roaring back, you know. Um, With eleven percent unemployment. Yeah, so I'm surprised it's that you know that that low because you know um, I, I see people waiting on their check, and some of this is all supposed to have ended June thirtieth. End of the month. End of July. End of July. Okay. Okay. And you know, whole industries are going under, and stores are going under. They think. You know, malls are going to be the next thing. You know, we'll just get everything online, and and uh, so it's and it's not going to just turn around with a new president. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's going to be years and years and years to recover yeah. from this. Um, so I, I really would have liked to seen um, days and days talking about education in in the um, session. Mm-hmm. legislative session it looks like if you review it and we should probably do a budget on what was paid for would be interesting but buildings and businesses and infrastructure and um, a variety of things you know the, the the third thing is racial tensions in the united states lots of problems and it, it, it seems to be i don't know in some ways kind of shifting i think people that are anti whatever's going on are, are getting bolder and bolder. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, this the bust, you know, the bust came up. I did a whole podcast on this, too. Mm-hmm. I barely have anything to talk about anymore. <laughs> um, the governor is keeping you busy. 
(laughs) (laughs) How many more days before they go home? (laughs) But, But wouldn't it have been nice if they would have found a way to get rid of Nathan Bedford Forrest? I mean, it just would have kind of calmed things down. It would have been just kind of a definitive thing. You know, Governor Lee could have kind of taken a stand. This has been protested ever since it went up. So, you, you, and it's going on even even now. How easy it would have been to just say, you know, let's let's move that. We'll decide. But what did they do? They put two more people on a commission. And I read in the paper last night that he might be kind of, you know, doing something. Right. But mm-hmm. more pain and more hurt and more fuss. And it took a couple of days that have gone to finding money for education. So, um, and then, you know, finally, I've got to get my health crisis in here. Last year, uh, lo and behold, um, Governor Lee extended postpartum Medicaid for 12 months, um, a pilot project to instead of, uh, of course, to reduce um, maternal mortality. Which is one year after the child was born. So a pilot project was going to be 66 million dollars plus another two million dollars uh, for pregnancy dental um i'm just as- assuming that um that's a high risk for infections mm-hmm. and maybe there was a problem so that so we're talking about 60 and 70 48 million dollars and a rainy day fund of a billion and more yeah. a million here and a millionaire there starts adding up chump change yeah. chump change Cut. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what um, could have helped all that. They've left $1.4 billion of federal funding for Medicaid expansion on the table for mm-hmm. at least a decade. Yep. It's just crazy. And then, you know, I never saw anything in here about the opioid crisis. I think we're still having one. Yeah. Here's the thing with budgets. And when we talk about money, and here, here's what everyone listening to this needs to know. Budgets show values. Yes. Budgets show your priority. Sandy, if you came to me and said, I am committed to getting healthy this year. I'm going to run a mile every day. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to make sure I do my exercise and take care of myself. And then you showed me your budget and you had a tenth of your budget set aside for McDonald's every month. Ah. Then I would go... I don't think your values and your priorities are lining up with how you spend your money. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing going on here. When okay. we look at... Good point. Are we spending the, the $6 million to, uh, to expand 10 care for, uh, to handle maternal mortality? Are we giving teachers money for cleaning supplies and everything else that they need? Um, are we giving money into our rural hospitals? If we're not doing those things, then... You, as a, uh, as a representative, cannot come to your community and say, I value rural hospitals. I value our students and teachers. I value the community. You don't get to say that when you're actively taking away the money that shows you actually do value. Well, so, the that's question it. is, Budget it, show values. are they truly representing us? So you're saying the people that you talk to, these are their values. Mm-hmm. And so there's a disconnect there. Yeah. And I've certainly found this in, in healthcare, and it sounds like it's in it's there for, you know, for the schools and how many other topics can we, you know, mm-hmm. uh, run into. Um, 
uh, talking to another candidate, we, we took a long look at child care and the mm-hmm. use of those funds to help mothers and families and, you know, kind of the imbalance of the single mother, single woman household, mm-hmm. uh, what her salary was and how much she was struggling. Is that, you know, is that a value? So do we just not care here in the community about our schools and, and health care and families? No, I think we do. Mm-hmm. Do the represent people that represent us act like they care? During election time, yeah, <laughs> they better do some fast talking. Yeah, I don't. I I think our representatives, they're arrogant. They don't represent the communities that elect them. I think they represent and, a few of the loud talkers. Yeah, and they're mostly there to to make sure that their wealthy and well connected friends are taken care of. I think that's perfect. Why the example. vouchers are in place. Yeah, perfect example. You know, with this budget right here, the state legislature decided to go out and borrow money to make sure that Volkswagen and Amazon got millions of dollars Mm -hmm. for their factories. So not only are we, so we're giving them money, right? Which is bad enough, but we are actively going out and borrowing money to do that. So not only are we paying on the money we would give them, we're also paying on the interest to go out and borrow that stuff. Okay. That is, again, one of those where if if we sat down and you said, you know, I am committed to getting healthy, and you went out and took out a credit card to pay for your McDonald's addiction, like, your values are not lining up with your, your budget at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not lining up with the actions that you're taking around how you spend money. Well, that... That's our state legislature in the, in the yeah. nutshell, right well, there. Well, we're really the corporations have us by the throats. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, "Well, then we'll just go someplace else." Mm-hmm. You know, and those those are the jobs that go. But yeah. many times, the uh, I've worked with patients um, that worked for some of those big companies in the area, and they're not treated very well either. So, um, anyway, that's a catch twenty two. I just also wanted to say. There's a um, fifty million dollars that we're also giving away by eliminating the hall income tax. This is the only income tax that we have. We, Tennessee doesn't have an income tax, which makes our stool a little wobbly. We're so dependent on sales tax, which really is regressive. It kind of punish. It does punish uh, people of lower incomes. They're not. They don't have a high income where they would pay taxes on it, but they have to, you know, the buy mm-hmm. buy the stuff at uh, the same rate. So the yeah. whole income tax was uh, a tax on income for bonds and stocks over twelve hundred dollars, and and so the wealthier mm-hmm. people that do, you know, that's the thing with oh, the stock market's doing great. Well, good. <laughs> that has no effect. You know, on many, many of the people in in the rural areas, they don't play the stock market. So, as an indicator of how they are doing, it it really means nothing. They they're still um, struggling. Yeah. So, if you want to know how the rural communities are doing, just go out and talk to folks in the rural communities. Mm-hmm. You'll get a real good sense of where things are at. And when I do that, I hear people that are worried about healthcare, worried about their kids' education, worried about their farm, worried about their farm, worried about putting food on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, worried about. The teacher, like we were talking earlier, worried about bringing home a virus that could put her husband in the hospital. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they're worried about. They're not worried about whether or not Amazon is going to get a couple million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I just have two things on my action plan. And um, I said the one already, volunteer. Um, 
to schools for reading and math and supplies. You know, just be aware of that. And I'm sure that different organizations are going to be right on top of that uh, because they're aware of what's happening. And the second was to vote. Mm-hmm. All House seats um, are up for um, election and half of the Senate seats. So mm-hmm. is there anything else that you want to add to our discussion? Yeah, I, I tell people, make sure you vote. Mm-hmm. Make sure you take your friends to vote, your family to vote, your neighbors to vote, because this is a community. This is one of those where we're all in the same boat together, and you can't have somebody sitting at the front of the boat that decides to opt out. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. So go out, make sure your friends and family and neighbors and cousins and coworkers and that aunt that you never talk to but once a year at Thanksgiving, make sure everybody is ready to vote this fall Mm -hmm. because this is going to be the most important election that we've seen in my lifetime at least. Mm -hmm. I'd argue probably in in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. That's the stakes on this one. Yeah. And we need to make sure that the people that we're electing this fall are people that actually represent us rather than just hanging out with their wealthy and well-connected buddies. Well, they need to be smart because um, these are just what's happening this year. Yeah. We still have uh, climate change, and we still have threats from other parts of, of the world. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a big game, and we need people that are willing to work hard for us and learn. And uh, we think we need to look hard at, at some of the people that are out there you know, doing our bidding, because mm-hmm. uh, I think they need to do better. Yep. Sheet. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Chase, for talking... Uh, with me today being on the program we just got a lot of tension out there so i wish you good luck in your campaign and maybe we can talk again um, at a later date but thank you so much thanks Mm -hmm.